Listen to this. James says, this is God speaking to us through James. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness or humility the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who, intently, who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer but, for, but for, who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Would you pray with me? Lord, help us believe that you have the power to change us today. Help us believe that your word is true and that what we need in our lives is truth, that we need to hear good news and be changed by that good news in the deepest part of us. Remind us that your word is ultimately all about the Lord Jesus so that, Holy Spirit, we know that you're active when we behold Christ and see that he is more beautiful and more believable than we could ever imagine. So, Holy Spirit, please make Jesus irresistible to us again. We pray this for your glory, Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. Here's the roadmap this morning. These are the two points we're going to hit. Receiving the word and being a doer of the word. That's where we're going this morning. Receiving the word and being a doer of the word. Did you hear those two phrases in what we read? Because I took them straight from those verses. Receiving the word and being a doer of the word. Now, before we jump into that, why would James write this? Why would James write to people like us and say, you need to, be a, you need to receive the word and you need to do the word, be a doer of the word? He writes it because he apparently had people like us who don't always hear the word and do it. He writes this because he wants us to hear the word, receive the word, and do it. He writes this because James fundamentally believes that the word of God is living. He fundamentally believes that the word of God is active. He fundamentally believes that anytime the word of God is expressed, anytime the word of God is read and studied, it doesn't return to God empty-handed. That it always accomplishes something. Always, always, always. So he says, brothers and sisters, receive the word of God. Notice how he starts out in verse 19. Everyone 
Everyone needs to receive this. Every single person needs to receive the word. Now, this is what he says. This is what he wants us to receive. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, slow to anger, because your anger doesn't produce character, behavior, activity that reflects God's holiness and righteousness. That sounds easy, right? Anybody here struggle with anger? Uh, Anybody here struggle with uh, knowing when to speak or when not to speak? Does anyone here struggle with listening? Hmm, so not much has changed in 2,000 years, huh? We all struggle to listen well. We all struggle with our speech. We all struggle with anger. Who do you know in your life that does anger well? Think about it. I'm still thinking about it. Who in your life does anger well? Who, who is able to be angry appropriately? Because you remember God is angry. Jesus is angry. You remember when Lazarus died? Jesus was literally snorting at Lazarus' death. He was so furious at death. So anger in and of itself isn't necessarily wrong. So in other words, when the question is asked, who does anger well, you shouldn't think about who in my life never gets angry, because that person is probably more angry than you could imagine. I read this this week. There are two types of anger. There's an innie and an outie. (laughs) The outward anger is the anger of explosion. The outward anger is the anger that lashes out. The outward anger is the one that you, can, you know when it happens because you feel it and you experience it. That's the kind of anger that if you have, people don't really want to be around you because they're afraid that if they open up to you that at some point they're going to get, they're going to be on the receiving end of being lashed out. The inner anger is much more subtle, isn't it? It's deep. It's, it's the anger of bitterness. It's the anger of the inward growth of that bitterness. It's the anger such that because something has happened, the tendency and the temptation is to process all of life and relationships and everything that's happening through the lens of that anger so that not outwardly you might be very self-controlled, but inside, oh, the bitterness is raging the desire for revenge, the punishing other people for the anger that you have that happened a long time ago that you won't deal with, but yet process everything in life through. Who does anger well in your life? Who's angry at the right things? Because they're connected. If you get angry all the time, more than likely it's because we don't listen well and we say things we're not, we're not, we shouldn't and we express ourselves in ways that not that great. And James says something that we all need to hear that sounds incredibly odd in the time in which we live. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. You know how odd that is? You do realize that we live in a culture and we make up the culture of anger, right? Did you realize how angry everyone is and how angry our culture is? Like, 
you are considered courageous in our culture if you don't listen to anybody, if you're constantly pointing fingers, and if you are just mad at something. You're considered courageous. And if you are not angry at the same thing that someone else is angry about, then they are suspicious of you. You notice that? Think about your own anger. Think about what you get angry about. Think about if you get suspicious about other people, if they're not angry about the same things you're angry about. The Bible calls us, the gospel empowers us to live lives that are different because we struggle with the exact same things. Anger, speech, listening. James says it very clearly, we know what he means. And it's for everyone, whether you're young or old, we need to be a people that are good listeners, careful listeners, thoughtful listeners. We need to be people that measure how we speak and what we say and when we say what we say. We need to be a people that only get angry at the right thing. We ought to be a people who are not easily angered, right? So then look at what happens in verse 21. He draws a conclusion. Therefore, as if to say, those of you that are struggling with anger, those of you that are struggling with your speech, those of you that are struggling with listening, therefore, listen to this, James says. Here's the antidote. Therefore, put away all filthiness and wickedness, right? Just means look at your life, do a quick study, and look at what outwardly shouldn't be there because of what's happening inwardly, and just put that away and receive humbly or humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Here's the antidote to Dave's anger problems and Dave's speech issues and Dave's inability to listen appropriately. By the way, this blew my mind this week studying this because this is not what I would thought. That's not what I would have said. That's why I'm not God. <laughs> He's so much better than I am. If, if you come to me and say, Dave, you got an anger problem and a speech problem and a hearing problem, my antidote would be, you know what? I need more self-control. And what does James say? You need humility. See that? Put away the outward stuff that you know isn't right. Deal with the inside, you know, what the, the motives that you have that aren't true or pure. He's been talking about that in the previous verses. And humbly receive the word of God. Humility? I need humility? Yeah, the reason we have anger problems and the reason we don't listen well and the reason that we don't talk appropriately is because we're full of pride. We need humility. That means that if you want to do a quick check on locating pride in your life, here's a quick little diagnostic. Three quick things. One, you can always find pride in your life if you constantly correct. Now, I know this is a really deep thing to think about, and I know it's really reflective, but do it. Do you notice yourself just constantly correcting everything? Here's the second way. 
Do you notice that you can't stop? Here's a third way you can locate pride in your life. Would people who know you look at you and say, yeah, you're basically an unhappy person? You'll find pride there too. In other words, a prideful person is always correcting, can't stop doing it, oftentimes doesn't even realize that they're doing it all the time, such that every relationship is based upon me correcting a person, me fixing this, me fixing that, and I'm just generally unhappy. Because if God gave me the keys to the universe, I would be able to steer us in a better direction. So therefore, I am generally unhappy at what's happening in the world and what's happening in my life because I don't think God really knows what he's doing. James says to deal with our anger, our speech, and our hearing, we need humility. And we need to humbly, what? Receive the word of God, which is able to save our souls. So we need to humbly receive the, notice what the text says. Here's something else that blew my mind I wasn't thinking about. Humbly receive, notice the word, the implanted word of God. So here's what James is saying. This is my paraphrase. This is, this is the Dave Osborne Street version. Receive what you already have. You see it? Humbly receive the implanted. It's already there. So receive what's already there. Humbly receive what you already got. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Receive what you already have? So here's how I can illustrate it to you. You know, my, I want to talk to you about my relationship with Physicians East. Because <laughs> our relationship has been growing a lot over the last six months. Several years ago, I picked out a primary care doctor with Physicians East. And from then, from that point on, it has just escalated quickly. So my relationship with Physicians East is established. Those doctors over there know me better than I know me. They got me down to a formula. They can tell you how much iron is in my blood. They've tested my genes. They've tested my DNA. They have diagnosed things about me. They know me better than I know myself. They have operated on me. They have done all kinds of things with me. And guess what? I need to continue to receive what is already there. A relationship with Physicians East has been established. It seems like they have my card and they just swipe that thing every day. But do you know what my responsibility is? I have to continue to receive from that relationship. I have to continue to receive from them what they know about me, which means I need to receive from them scars. I've got them on my body. I've got six of them. I need to continue to get poked by them and prodded by them. I need to receive medicine from them. I need them to monitor. I need to receive from them advice, counsel, helping me discern what's best for the future. Do you get it? I need to receive what I already have. Beloved, this is part of the reason why I have been so slow to grow in my walk with Christ. 
because I've read the Bible and studied the Bible a lot in my life. I went to school for it. But I didn't exactly learn how to study the Bible so that it would get at my pride. I didn't exactly study the Bible so that it would get at my anger, my speech, my hearing. I studied the Bible so that I could learn more stuff, not so much so that I could change. James is saying, receive the word. He is saying, receive what you already have. What God did when he brought you to life, look at verse 18, you remember this? He willed that you would be born again, and he planted something in you and in me. And that was truth. And what happens is that truth grows and grows and grows so that through the course of my walk and the course of my life with God, I continue to receive what is already there. And that means the more I read the Bible and the more I study God's word, the more I realize, oh, this is a book that knows me. This book gets me. Oh, I'm made of this book. Like it tells me everything I've ever done and thought. It makes connections that I never would. It pushes me and pokes and prods. It diagnoses. It gives the antidote. It does everything. But I need to continue to receive it. I need to receive what I already have. If you want to be a hearer of the word... Receive what you already have. Dig in. Second, be a doer of the word. Look at what happens in 22 through 25. James says, be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. In other words, look at all the parallels he puts up. Let me see if I can get most of these for you. Look at verse 25 and 26. Excuse me, 21, sorry, 22 through 25. Look at what he writes there. He says things like this. Um, there are some who hear the word, but they're not a doer. And he parallels that with those who hear it and are a doer. He says there's some that look in a mirror and some that look into the perfect law of liberty. There are some that look and forget, and there are others that look and remain. See all that? Look how it starts off. There are some who are deceived and those who find blessing. See all those parallels? James is illustrating for us something very powerful. James is saying in thinking about all these parallels, what is it that you are attracted to? What is it that your heart is drawn to? Two, what is your heart chasing? Now, just for a moment, let's just name some things that are easy to think about, right? Your heart might be chasing a, a, a new job or a better job. Your, your heart might be attracted to um, a life of comfort or ease. Your life might be about being attracted to and wanting a new house, a bigger family, starting a family. Your heart, your attention might be wrapped up in any of those things. Mine can be wrapped up in getting through chemo. 
mine can be wrapped up in, I sure hope I can make it three years without this popping up in my liver or, or my lungs. My heart can be chasing, I got six more pills today and then I got seven days off. What's your heart chasing? What are you attracted to? Because James is not saying that the difference in these two is that we just need more willpower to look longer. He's not saying that we just need a um, never die attitude to keep looking. He's saying, what are you looking for? He's saying, look for the right thing. Look for the right thing. Be looking for the right thing. In other words, James is getting at that we ought to be obsessive in a good way, habitual in a good way, over thinking about this perfect law of liberty. And, and when he says looking into that in verse 25, let me tell you what that word is picturing. It's the same word that's used to describe Peter at the tomb resurrection morning. You remember he and John raced to the tomb? John was faster. And Peter got there, and you know what he did? He started looking around in the tomb because Jesus wasn't there. And he didn't look around and be like, well, this is interesting. I mean, Jesus wasn't, is not here. Um, we going to Waffle House? He looked into the tomb and he was pondering. He was meditating on. He was drawing the conclusions out. Well, if Jesus is alive, what does that mean? He was pondering these things. He was looking intently at what he saw and who wasn't there, meaning Jesus. And he was thinking about the implications of that for his life and for the whole world. Did Peter understand everything at that moment? Of course not. The point is he didn't stop thinking about the fact that Jesus was alive. And when James says, look into the perfect law of liberty, he's saying with the same vigor and the same emotion and the same truth, don't stop looking and drawing out and pondering and reflecting and thinking out the implications of the perfect law of liberty. Which when James mentions that, remember he's thinking about the Old Testament. So when he says the perfect law, he's thinking about the law of God, which is meaning, he means that in a general sense of all the teachings of God in the Old Testament. And James considers those to be perfect because God wrote them. So they're reliable and they're trustworthy. But beloved, there's only one way that looking into the teachings of God that you can rely upon will ever become the source of your freedom. You will only find freedom in God's teachings if you get to Jesus. Do you get it? What are you looking for? What are you attracted to? Where is your heart being drawn? 
Do you look to the word of God and think, well, here are my principles for life. You'll forget it. Are you looking for Christ? When you study the scriptures and when you think about the Bible, when you think about God's teachings, are you looking for Jesus? Because that is the only place that you will find freedom. And remember, freedom is not the absence of restrictions, right? That's the way our culture loves to define freedom. If I just didn't have any restrictions at all, I would be perfectly free. No, you'd be paralyzed. Just like when you go to the grocery store and you have to buy toothpaste and you have 60 to choose from and you're paralyzed for 10 minutes because you don't know what to pick. The absence of restrictions is not freedom. Freedom is having the bright restrictions, the ones that you were made for. That's when you're gonna feel most free and the only way that you will ever find that freedom is in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done. So whether you read the Old Testament or the New, be looking for the Lord Jesus Christ and how he is displayed and explained and predicted, how he's illustrated everywhere throughout all of the Bible. James says he wants us to be a hearer and a doer in this section here. Meaning, he wants us to receive what we already have and he wants us to do by remembering Jesus. Because we can do our lives without thinking of Jesus at all. You ever realize in those moments, have you ever had one or many moments where you realized, oh, my walk with Jesus and my walk with God has basically been Christless? You ever realize that? You ever come to the point in your life that you've studied the Bible a lot, but you never really learned about how it gets to your, your anger and your speech and your hearing? You ever study the Bible a lot but only came up with moralistic teaching? Here's the story of David and Goliath, the meaning this is how you, David, defeat the Goliaths in your life. Not really realizing that that story is about the Lord Jesus. You ever come to the point in which you realize you've learned a lot about the Bible, but maybe have a Christless walk with God? James is trying to get those who are enduring persecution to do by remembering Jesus. 